All right. Praise God. Praise God. All right. That's good. Let's talk about Jesus. All right. How you guys doing? Good. Hey, welcome. If you're coming on your first night, you came on a weird night. I'm so sorry. It's going to be way cooler next week, okay? All right. Come back. Um, so uh, it's going to be so good next week. Oh, I have, guys, a bit of ADD. It's fine. Um, so... Welcome to Young Adults. Um, how many, it is your first time. Like, this is legit your very first time. Hi, guys. What's up? All right. Um, well, praise God. Uh, what a special, you probably feel it already. First of all, that's the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, that's real. He's, he's God. He's king. Um, and second of all, it's a bunch of people, believers, getting together and believing together. And, man, crazy things happen when, when that happens. You know what I'm saying? And so um, we've been in a series called Trailblazers. And um, we're going to, uh, I think we finish it tonight. That's right. We finish it tonight. Um, but the series we started because we wanted to talk about pioneers. We wanted to talk about innovators. We wanted to talk about the people that changed the game, the game changers. We wanted to talk about the trendsetters. A pioneer will go into new country, and they'll be the first ones to settle there. Amen? Um, and an innovator will think of a brand new idea that's never been thought of before. A person that's a trendsetter is someone who leads the way in a new trend and in a new style. All right? And I love this description. Connor gave this week one, and I think it's perfect for what a trailblazer is. Uh, he said this. He said, it's someone who makes a new way through wild country. And so throughout history, the only people who have ever changed history, and there literally have been individuals, you guys, there have been individuals who have changed the course of history, who have looked at the zeitgeist of history and the direction that it's heading, and they've said, no, I actually don't like that direction. I'm going to go a different way. And an entire generation followed them in a brand new path. These are people who didn't settle for the norm and wanted something a little bit different. That's what we've been talking about this entire time, the people that have actually changed history. And I preached um, from Acts 2 two weeks ago. Um, and so you're going to have to forgive me, but also I'm just hoping you lean in tonight because there's just like so much there. Um, but we're going to preach again from Acts 2. And the reason why is because um, my heart can't leave this text right now, so it's just where I'm at. Um, I believe God has more for you, and so that's where you're at, because that's where I'm at. <laughs> and so we are going to talk about tonight building something with your life, amen? All right, let's turn to Acts 2. If you got your Bibles, turn to Acts 2. Acts 2, let's go there together. All right, it says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a violent, uh, a, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest upon each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Um, this part won't be up here, but let me just read this. It says, um, now there were staying in Jerusalem. God, this, everybody's here, okay? God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. They heard the sound and a crowd came and gathered in bewilderment and because one, um, each one heard in their own language being spoken utterly amazed they asked aren't these um, who are speaking Galileans how is it then that we all hear in our native tongue and there were Parthians and Medes and Elamites residents of Mesopotamia Judea Cappadocia Potus um, and Asia Phrygia and Pamphylia Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene visitors from Rome both Jews and uh, converts to Judaism Cretans and Arabs um, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues amazed 
amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. They're like, all oh, that, you know what I mean? And so then Peter stood up in front of and with the 11 and he raised his voice and addressed the crowd and he said fellow Jews and all of you who are here in Jerusalem let me explain this to you listen carefully to what I say these people are not drunk as you suppose it's only nine in the morning um praise God we, we joked about this two weeks ago he's like that's for later right <laughs> No, this is what was spoken about by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I'll pour out my spirit on all people, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Um, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of our Lord, and everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so what I want to talk to you about tonight is this angle. What are you building with your life? What are you spending your life building? Are you building a 401k? Are you building an Instagram following? Are you building, I don't know, like are you building muscles at the gym? Like what are you building with your life? And what I want to propose to you is just a simple thought tonight, and it's this. It's that our Heavenly Father would love it if you built something with him. Amen? And so if we could bow our heads and ask the Holy Spirit to come. Um, God, come. We need you more than ever, and we love you more than ever. God, I pray that every single person will walk out of here, God, not thinking about a person on this stage. <laughs> but thinking about you. You're so glorious, so great, so mighty, so kind. God, come tonight. Rest upon this place. May we be changed by you. We need you. We want to build with you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, so I have a theory. I have a theory about humanity, and it's this. There's two different types of humans. Uh, there are fixers. There are people who fix things, and then there's people who throw things away. Um, so how many of you in here would consider yourself someone who fixes things? Like you, you fix, yeah, something's broken in your house. You fix it. You fix your car. Something's broken. You fix your car. You know how to fix your car. How many of you in here throw things away? Yes, my people. What's up? Us millennials, we're like, our grandparents' generation, you know, our grandparents' generation, they had cobblers, right? Which if you don't know, that's fine if you don't know what that is. It's where they would take their shoe and they'd be like, fix my shoe. Like, we throw furniture away when like a leg is loose, you know what I'm saying? And so we're just so different. We throw things away. And in my household, I throw things away. Like John will come in and he'll be like, oh, hey, where's my like Nike, the, the like 50% off coupon? Like it was, it was on the counter. And I'll be like, oh, I threw that away. It was out there like a week. I threw it away. You know what I mean? Like, and he, got, he came in. These are all true stories. He came in another time. He's like, that greeting card that was from my mom. I'm like, oh, it was out like two and a half weeks. I threw that away. You know what I said? You read it. I f we felt it, the love, you know? <laughs> felt the love and then threw it away. You know, like, this is a true story too. All right, so, so there was this flashlight that was sitting on the counter and he comes in one day and he's like, where's that flashlight that was on the counter, the flashlight? And I was like, well, I, 
I threw it away. And he's like, what? And I was like, it, did, it didn't work. I threw it away. And he's like, it needed new batteries. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I just, you know what I mean? But in my house, John fixes things. Like, he really does. My, he fixes things. I do not fix things, right? Um, but, and he fixes things. And I believe this about this group, of, about all of people. Like, there are people who fix things. And then there's, like, builders. Like, there's people that build things, Yeah. Growing up, I uh, was raised by such an awesome dad, and my dad was a fixer, my dad was a builder, which came in clutch when it was time for like a school project, right? And so, so my dad would like, you know, like I'd come home, I remember one time, I'm 11 years old, I'm sitting in class, and the guy's like, we are going to, we are going to build, I want to get the name right, he's like, we're going to build... Rube Goldbergs, and I was like, I say what? Like, you know, and but essentially, it's something where you take a very simple, like, mechanical thing, and then you make it really indirect and intense, like, in the way that you carry it out. So, Mousetrap, the game Mousetrap, do you guys remember that game? Okay, so, you know, like, the ball goes down the slide, and then it, like, hits this thing, and it catapults this, like, you know, army man into like another thing, and then the, the, the trap drops on the mouse. Well, okay, that's what a Rube Goldberg is. So they're like, I don't even know how to do division. And they're like, we need you to do a Rube Goldberg. And I'm like, okay, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'll try. And so they send me home, and I like roll into the house, and I'm like, Dad, like, I need, and he's like, cool, I got you. Like, he always came in clutch. And so we'd go into the shop, like into his garage, right? And my dad, I sat with him. My dad mostly built it, you know what I mean? I mean, and we just would talk, and my dad would like build stuff, and he'd like show me how to use a hammer and drill, and like you know. But I would roll in, like my shoelaces weren't even tied, and I'd like roll into class, and I'd be like, I don't know how to tie my shoelaces, but I made a Rube Goldberg. You know what I'm saying? Like just clutch. My favorite. Um, we built a snowboard together for the class, like. But well, my favorite, my favorite thing that we uh, that we built because I was in middle school, and how many of you like sucked at life in middle school? You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 just they should have just said that like, you will be trauma. You're going to go to counseling when you're 30. It will be because of like 12-year-old you. You know what I'm saying? And so, so um, like I'd roll, into, I'd roll into middle school. I'd have a braid falling out like, and I had braces. I had no friends, right? I would, sit in, I would sit and like eat pizza in the courtyard by myself. Like it was just so bad. Like it was so bad. So they, they, our teacher, um, our science teacher comes in and he's like, all right, I'm going to give you balsam wood and like this string and I need you to make a bridge and we're going to see how much weight this bridge can hold, right? And I'm like, sweet. And I know, like, I'm going to go home. We're going to crush this, you know? I go home, and my dad gets out an encyclopedia because I'm from ancient days. We didn't have, like, Google back then. And my dad gets out an encyclopedia, and he begins studying bridges. And he's like, we need to build a suspension bridge, Jess. And I'm like, let's do it, Dad, you know, a.k.a. I know you're going to do most of it, but let's do it, you know? <laughs> and so we get out in the garage, and we build this, like, legit suspension bridge. So I roll into school, and I remember they would like they would they put the string over top, and then they would lay bricks. And each brick that they added, it was it was to see how much weight your bridge could hold. And every single kid's bridge would like break around 20 pounds, right? 20, 30 pounds. And mine gets up there, and it gets to 20 pounds, gets to 30 pounds, gets to 50 pounds, gets to like 60 pounds. It breaks at 100 pounds, and my little like brace like hair fall. It's like what's up, you know, like. <laughs> I felt, I felt so cool. I felt so accomplished. You know what I mean? I felt like this deep accomplishment. And it did not steal from my joy that my father built most of it. 
I still felt like just so much joy. And can I tell you tonight, I believe this with all my heart, that we serve a heavenly father. And he literally wants to build something with you. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians. It says this in 1 Corinthians 3, 9. Uh, For we are co-workers in God's service, and you are God's field, God's building. I am starting to believe in my spiritual walk, you guys, that we follow Jesus, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we build something with our Heavenly Dad. Like, this is what our entire life is about. We follow Jesus, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we build something with our Dad. And you're like, well, what do we build then? According to 1 Corinthians, we are supposed to build into other people. The Bible says this. It says we are God's field, God's building. When God, this is what they're saying. When God builds, he doesn't build with human hands. He builds in the invisible. He builds his church. He builds into people. He takes a person from darkness into lightness. He takes them from a place of brokenness into a place of vitality and newness. He heals people's hearts. He transforms them. He makes them upright. Like he makes them completely new. And then when he does that, He's literally like, okay, would you like to build with me now? And then we go and we build other people with Jesus. This is the call. This is the great work of our life, that we get to build something with our dad. And I don't know how you feel about your, um, like maybe your earthly dad. Maybe he didn't give you the time of day. Maybe you never even spent a moment together doing something of meaningful value. That's okay. Can I tell you tonight that we do serve a God and he wants to build something with you. Whether you are at the back of this room or at the front of this room, or you're in the tech booth, you're watching online, I don't care. Like he wants to build something with you, not just with the person sitting next to you. He wants to build something with you. And according to scripture, God wanted to build something with Peter. He wanted to build something alongside Peter, inside of Peter. And so he comes to Peter and he's like, Peter, he's like, you're going to be the capstone. You're going to be the cornerstone. And on this cornerstone, I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't even overcome it. You know what he's saying to Peter in that moment? He's like, would you like to build into people? And Peter's like, that sounds amazing. What's crazy, church, is like the same, the same way that God used to build 2,000 years ago, that's, that's the way he builds in us now. The way that God built 2,000 years ago is the exact same. And so I just want to look again at, the, at this scripture, and I want to take a few things away. And the first thing I think when it comes like, if we want to be trailblazers for Jesus, amen. If we want to build something with our Heavenly Father, amen. The first thing you need to know is this, is you need to wait on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> You need to wait on the Holy Spirit. It says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place waiting. They were waiting. It says, suddenly a sound like a blowing wind, um, a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Trailblazers, they wait on Jesus. They wait on God. They wait for him. Um, and Jesus uh, has this conversation. I said this two weeks ago, but he says this to his disciples. He's like, I'm going somewhere. Like, I'm leaving this place, and I'm going back to heaven. And they're like, what? You're leaving? Like, they're upset. They're like, this sucks. This is terrible. Don't leave. But then he's like, it's better for you that I go. I already said this, but listen, I need to say it again. What could be better than Jesus walking with you every single day. And he says, it's better that I go. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit and you are going to be so pumped on what this Holy Spirit does in and through you. It's literally the power of God. A couple, like, a couple days go by and Jesus ascends into heaven. He's like met by angels. You need to read your Bibles. His angels are like, hey, welcome home. You know what I mean? You've got to read your Bibles. It's like incredible. 
He meets the angels and he's like, this is so awesome, I'm home. Meanwhile, Peter is in charge of this very small pack of people. And he has no money, he has no direction, and he's next in line, like he's supposed to lead them right now. And he has no idea, I mean, he's like, got no food, he got no jobs, you know what I mean? He's like, dumb and dumber, it's like that kind of a vibe, like he's got, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing there. And so what does Peter do? do? He goes into the upper room and he waits for God. And the Bible tells us that when the Holy Spirit came, they were in the upper room praying. But you know what it doesn't tell us is it doesn't tell us how long they were there. Like, could have been an hour, could have been two hours, could have been like a week. Like, we don't know how long they were waiting on God. But I believe that God has so much for this church. I do. I believe that God has so much for this generation. I think he has so much, like storehouses. Something I'm starting to learn in my spiritual walk right now is God has so much more. Like I'm starting to see like just like more of God, more of his storehouses. I'm starting to see it and I'm like, oh, it's kind of like taking me aback, but I want it. You know what I mean? There are storehouses waiting for you, young adult. Storehouses of goodness and joy and kindness and love. Listen, if we would but ask. And so all we need to do in this, in this, in our part, in, in this bargain, all we need to do is wait and ask. They're waiting if we would develop a life of prayer. It says this, this is um, Leonard Ravenhill, and I read this, and I'm learning so much about prayer right now, so I hope you're cool that I just share what I'm learning right now. Um, it says this, poverty stricken as the church in, uh, is today in many things, she is most stricken here in the place of prayer. We have many organizers, but few agonizers, many players and payers, but few prayers, many singers, few clingers, lots of pastors, few wrestlers, many fears, few tears, much fashion, little passion, many interferers, few intercessors, many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. I was just in a church planning boot camp um, a few weeks ago, and I was sitting with a bunch of pastors. And these guys um, are from all over the country, and they're doing amazing things, things that, honestly, I can't even dream about doing. It's, like, too intimidating. And um, one of them's from Oklahoma City. One of them's from Chicago. One of them's from New York City. And they all um, would give us, you know, ideas about, like, you know, churches and, like, what church should be, what church shouldn't be, you know, all these different things. But every single one of them shared their story. And as they're sharing their story, they all all talk about prayer. This guy, Tim, gets up there and he planted in Oklahoma City and he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, before planting, before we knew the call to plant, he's like, we prayed every night. We didn't watch TV for two years. And me and John are like, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no. Two years before they were like, we're sure. We're going. Uh, Oklahoma City is like, I, like, his stories were like, I was like weeping by the power of God at work in a city. And moves on to this next guy, John Peacock. He's on the next night, and he's from Chicago, and he's got this, like, we are mission church, like, coolest church, right? I'm like, this is so rad. And he's like, you have to pray. The devil knows you way better than you even know yourself. You have to pray. You have to know what his moves are before he moves on you. You, like, you have to pray. Don't be so ignorant. Like, he was, like, in my face. I was like, I'm not, I am ignorant. <laughs> I was like, wow, you know, gets to the next guy, John Tyson. Can I just tell you a quick story? When I was 20 years old, I went to a church down in Florida with a young adult ministry, and it blew my mind. And honestly, I fashioned a lot of, like, what young adults is here around John Tyson's ministry, and I got to meet him, and I literally was like, you trailblazed, and, like, I followed you. Like, this is so cool to meet you. Like, um, 
And he was like, he was like, I he planted in New York City. He planted a church in New York City. That 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 church plant he handed off to like a bunch of different people because they had like five locations and they, now he's planting a new church. I'm like, who are you? You're crazy. Like, but he prayed for six months. And he was like fundraising and he was having these meetings and he was hanging out with people and he's got his core team together. He's making plans, organizational plans, all that stuff. But for eight hours a day, every day, he prayed. He prayed for eight hours a day, every day. And I'm like, I left so convicted and I had a feeling in my heart and in my body where I'm like, I have to like, we have got to change some things. And so I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like we're, but I'm not saying this to like, but like, like, we decided, okay, how do we feel about Netflix, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I love elementary. I don't know if any of you watch elementary. I'm a big fan. I love Lucy Liu. Guys, can I just share with you um, something real? I love Asian people. You are so beautiful. Like, just, it's my last night. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. You have, like, the most exquisite hair. I don't get it. Um... You have great skin. I love like your culture and your food. Like I want to be Asian. All right, it's fine. <laughs> I love Lucy Liu. All right, so <laughs> it's fine. There's a new pastor next week. I love that. <laughs> so, so John and I have this moment where we're like, oh, like, and it wasn't just like conviction. It was like this compulsion. It was like this is what we got to do, and so we're we're just praying. And can I tell you, in the last couple of weeks, I've like seen like financial break. I've seen I've like seen breakthrough in my children. It's been wild. Like it has been wild. Visions, movements, healing. I've gone to like ten years of counseling in twenty minutes with the Lord. Some of you tonight, this is what you need, right? Amen. You don't need another podcast. You need God. And in your 20s, you need God because you want to get married, right? <laughs> I mean, for real, we need to hear from God for a couple of reasons. Number, or we need to wait on God. We need to wait on God for a couple of reasons. Number one, we have to hear him. We have got to hear God. We have to hear him. If you're in your 20s in here, you are at crossroads moments almost, almost yearly. Like, you are making ginormous decisions. It's one of the reasons I love working with young adults. You're making such huge decisions on the weekly. Like, it's crazy. And in the last month, I've met three separate people who are at big, big crossroads in their life. And they're like, Jess, I don't know. Do I go right? Do I go left? Do I go, you know, what do I do? And I'm like, I understand. I get that. And I, I, I want to, I wonder tonight if that's how you're feeling. Like, I'm at a crossroads. Like, I wonder what I'm doing with my life. Where am I going? What am I doing? Like, what's the plan? What's the plan? And I asked them, and this is what I want to ask you, like, how's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? And they're like, well, it's not good, you know, like, I mean, it's good, but like, I'm not hearing anything. And I'm like, I feel you. I totally feel you. But can I just comfort you tonight that if it took Peter a couple of hours, maybe a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks in an upper room, you are in good company to sit and wait on the Lord. Like, you are in good company to sit and wait. Like, can I encourage you tonight? And so I was like, well, maybe just, maybe just lean in just a little bit more. All three of them have come up to me and they're like, dude, you're not going to believe this, but like, I'm starting to hear him. Like, I can hear him. He's talking to me. I'm like, amen. I can hear him. He's like saying new things to me. He's actually, he's giving me directives. I know where I need to go now. Praise God. 
Jesus says this in the Gospels to his disciples. He says, my sheep know my voice. They know exactly how I sound, and they'll follow me. And he says this. This is so encouraging. He says, a stranger they will not follow. You know what that says? That says that you are, if you are in here and you just like lean into Jesus in prayer, you will never follow Satan down a bad path because you know his voice. And some of you might be in here tonight and you're like, well, that's, you know, cool, good for like some guy in here. But like, I never hear God. Like, I never hear him. Can I encourage you again? God is better at speaking to you. He is more faithful at speaking to you than we are even at listening. You can be a poor, crappy listener and at least just give it a go. And I promise you, he will show up. Like, he is too good. He is so faithful and so kind. He's a good shepherd, and we need to lean in, number one, because we need him to hear him, number two, because we need spiritual authority. We need spiritual authority. Um, man, in prayer, my attitudes have changed. In prayer, like, I'm more upright. In prayer, I know exactly who I am and exactly who I'm not. I have, I have felt internal, like, rearranging in the last month. It has been absolutely crazy. And, and revolutionary, and I didn't even know I needed it. <laughs> didn't even know. Just sit before the Lord. I'm like addicted now. John and I wake up in the morning, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to pray. <laughs> After the kids go down, like, I'm like shoving Brooklyn in bed, you know, like, I'm going to pray for you, so just get, just go away. Um, I'm kidding. <laughs> but you need spiritual authority. That's what, like, the church needs right now. Like, every church in America needs some, like, freaking spiritual authority. Like, we need it so bad. Excuse me for saying that word. <laughs> Jesus doesn't say that word. It's fine. Um, <laughs> and you're like, well, how do, how do we know that we get spiritual authority in prayer? Well, I'm going to prove it to you. So in the Bible, there's a story of a demon-possessed boy, and, and, and he's stricken by this demon, and it, like, tosses him to the ground. It's actually trying to take this little boy's life. And the father brings him to the disciples because the disciples at this point are, are actually healing people. They're, like, healing They're like healing people. And they lay hands on the kid, and they try to cast out this demon, and it does not work. And Jesus walks over to them, and he, he, he kind of rebukes them. It's kind of intense. He's like, you're an unbelieving generation, right? And, um, and then he lays his hands on this kid, and the, the Bible says, at that moment, at that moment, the spirit left. Spiritual authority. So the disciples come to him and they're like, we did exactly what you said. <laughs> we like pray the way you taught us to pray. Have you ever felt like I'm doing everything that God told me to do? Like I'm like going to life group and I'm like hanging out with Christian friends and but like nothing's changing it. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like nothing's actually shifting right now. Like that, that's these guys, they're like, well, we're doing, we did exactly what you told us to do, Jesus. And he says, well, this kind only comes up with fasting and with prayer. That's the only way. We need spiritual authority. If you want to see God do things in your life that he's never done before, if you want to see avenues that you've never seen before, if you want a life that you've not received yet, if you want to do things you've never done before, you need to pray prayers that you have not prayed before. God will meet you in the middle of your prayer, just like he's met me. Number two, obey the Holy Spirit. It says this, when Peter stood up with the 11, he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. Um, this is like immediately after the Holy Spirit falls. Peter like stands up and he's like, cool. He walks out the door. I mean, he's just like crazy, right? 
You need to be forewarned that the moment that you say yes to Jesus, the moment that you say, I'm in, the moment that you begin to lean into prayer, just be forewarned that God is more likely than not going to ask you to do something. Just be forewarned. Like he's probably going to speak to you about doing something. And it's so crazy because in this moment, like Peter rolls out and we all kind of read this like just in a weird way where we think like all these people are like waiting for him and like they can't wait to hear about Jesus. No, like they are there for Shavuot, which is like this uh, gigantic feast to celebrate the fact that they've gotten the Torah, that the Jewish people received the Torah. That's why they're there. They're there for the party. It would be like, it would be like Peter rolling up on the X Games, right? And being like, and being like, hey, I know you're here for the snowboarding and for the beer, but I'm going to tell you about God. You know what I mean? And like no one there is there to hear about Jesus. No one there is there to hear about God, not a single one. And yet he gets up in front of this huge crowd and he preaches for the very first time. He says, all right, I'll go. And um, just fair warning, church, if you lean into prayer, God is going to ask you more likely than not to go. There's a verse in Isaiah 6 where it says that the Holy Spirit is just sitting there and he's waiting for anyone that he's looking to and fro just for anyone that would be willing. God doesn't use the most talented. He doesn't use the most gifted. He actually just uses people who decide that they're going to be available in prayer, in waiting on him, in seeking him. And then the moment that he sees that person, he's like, okay, and almost always, he says, go. The Bible says the word stay 62 times. 62 times God says, sit here, stay here. Don't, Don't you move, just stay right there. 62 times, 1,542 times God says go. And so if you compare that right now in your life to where you're at, can I just like encourage you, God wants you to lean in because he is going to more likely than not say go. And I I wanted to say this tonight, when he says go, don't say no. Don't say no. Um, I knew probably this summer that God was asking me to leave, and I didn't want to, to be honest. Um, I didn't want to. I was pruning uh, my plants in the backyard, and um, I wasn't planning on telling this, but uh, I was pruning my plants, and I felt God be like, you're, you're going to be pruned. And I was like, I don't want to. Like, I just was like, I just was like, I was like, but why me? Like, like, do other people get other, not me, you know, like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Like, I, I like, I like my life. Like, I like my friends. Like, I, I like my church. Like, I've been here my, I've been here my whole life, Jesus, please. Like, please, you know. I remember, like, begging him kind of in the backyard. But I knew. And can I just tell you that your best life is on the other side of your yes. Like, your, your most, no, but really. But really, like your biggest peace is on the other side of your guess. I wish I could give you my peace tonight. I wish I, could, I wish I could take it out and put it in every single heart in here. Your best life, my best life, is on the other side of our obedience. When we say yes, when we say we'll go, when we say, okay, God, I'm going to try that. Okay, I'm going to try. Like your best world where you are most pe- peaceful and most alive happens on the other side of saying okay. And the second thing is this, the go will lead to the how. Um, a mentor in my life who works in the marketplace, she's like a, she's like a millionaire, um, and she d- runs a marketing company. She used to always say to me, she'd say, Yes, you know, you got to build it as you fly it. And I think when it comes to the way that God builds, when the way that it, uh, God builds his kingdom, when the way, the way that he moves, I really do think this, I think he builds it as he flies it. The moment that he falls on Peter, he says, okay, Peter, like, it's time to go. 
You know what Peter didn't have? He didn't have a church plan. You know what Peter didn't have? He didn't have an organizational strategy. He did not have an onboarding program for his staff. He didn't have an org chart. Like, he didn't have any funds raised. Like, he literally, he literally had nothing. And listen, I think God is all about structure. I think God is all about organization. Um, God is not a God of confusion. He is all about that stuff. But listen, the how follows the go. And if your how is the thing that's standing in the way of your go, then can I just tell you, you've got it all backwards. Because he wants you to be obedient, and then he will give you the how. The how cannot trump your go because he will show you how as you go in the bible i think every single time he tells someone to go the reason he doesn't give them a how is because he knows what we'll do with the how right like he'll be well it'll be like okay i'm writing it down every single little bit you know what i mean and then it's like a journal and we're like thanks i'm out you know what i mean and he wants to go with you and he wants you to commune with him and he wants you to rely on him. And so if you think about Abraham, when Abraham, he said, go, Abraham, and I'm going with you. Moses, go, I'm going to go with you. You know, Gideon, go in the strength you have. I'm going to go with you. Joshua, go. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. I go with you. Jesus, go. And lo, I'm with you. To the end of the age. God wants to be with you as you go. And he will show you the how as you go. I really do believe that. I was listening to a pastor a few weeks ago, and he said, and he said listen, he's like, strategy is so important. Culture is so important. He's like, but prayer eats strategy for breakfast. And I had a moment where I was like, what am I doing in my life? Like, I need to pray. I need to spend more time praying. And the last thing is this. Band, you guys can come back out. Follow Jesus. What are you building with your life, church? What are you building? What are you building with your one wild and precious life, as Mary Oliver says in her poem? What are you building with your life? Because here's what I believe. I was thinking back on like those times with my dad, and these were times in my life where um, I really bonded with my dad. And I would be in the garage with him, and we'd be hanging out, and we'd be talking, and I just bonded. I really think that the reason that God lets us be a part of this whole kingdom thing is because he wants to bond with us. He just wants to be with us as we build something. He just wants to hang out with us. And every day, as I grow and as I grow up in Jesus, I believe that our call is to follow Jesus. It's to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's to build something with our Father. And you're like, but what, well, why would you, like, follow Jesus? Like, you've got the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and, like, you've got the Father kind of telling you what to do. Well, we follow Jesus because Jesus is the first trailblazer. Like, he was the, the OG trailblazer, and he'll be the last trailblazer, praise God. It says this in Hebrews 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, trailblazer, innovator, author, and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus was a trailblazer. And if you don't believe me, let me just give you two, like, separate snapshots. The first one is this. Like, he is with God in the beginning, trailblazing. Like, he's riding shotgun with the Father as the Father creates everything. The Word was with God in the beginning. The Word was God, right? He was with God in the beginning. And so he'd be like, oh, we should make some orcas, you know? <laughs> and the Father's like, yes, that's amazing. 
I was, sorry, this is where my brain goes. You want to come with me? Let's go. So, so, and then the father's like, I'm going to make snow. And, it's, and Jesus is like, yes, no. He's like, you know what you should really make? You should make lightning. Oh my gosh, lightning. Because then they can kind of feel a little bit of an ounce of like the power when it rattles their insides. You know, like they'll feel the power of something beyond them. Like we used to make one of the, and then he's like, yeah, totally. And then, you know, but honestly, and I know people talk about it all the time, but think about the Trinity. Like being like, we should create people in our likeness. And they're like, yes. He was a trailblazer in the beginning. And then when everything went south, when everything fell, for those of you who don't know theology, you feel theology. And you know something's broken. You know something's off. You may not know about the fall or what happened in Genesis, but you feel it, don't you? When you read news articles, when you witness the way that we treat each other, According to the Bible, Jesus looked at it and he said, it's not good. And years ago, I heard a pastor talk about what would it be like if the Trinity had a conversation about how to save humanity. And it kind of wrecked me, but the guy was like, what if Jesus volunteered? He looked at the Holy Spirit, he looked at the Father, and he's like, I'll go. And he was a trailblazer in our salvation and in our redemption of what we need. Every single trailblazer has had a vision. When you think of Elon Musk, he, his vision is to, is to, in 50 years from now, that we have clean energy. When you think of Martin Luther King Jr., man, his vision is that he, we would no longer look at culture, we would no longer look at nationality or the color of people's skin and judge them there within, but we would look at their heart, we would look at their character. When you look at, man, Martin Luther, he was like, I want people to walk in a different faith. When you look at Rosa Parks, she's like, I want to sit in a different seat. Like these people had a vision. Does that make sense? Every single innovator, every single visionary has had a vision. You know what Jesus' vision was? The Bible says, for the joy set before him. Do you know what he was thinking about? For the joy set before him. You know what he's looking at? You know what his vision was? This is so amazing. It was me. And it was you. For the joy when he bled out on a cross he thought of me he thought of you and you know what's so nuts about this is that he knew he would save me and he knew he would save you and he knew he would rearrange your inside he knew he was going to send the holy spirit and be like check this out i'm totally going to change your life like like he knew all that right he rearranges us he changes us and then he's like let's go build some people and he lets us be a part of this redemptive work. Like there's no greater life. And so if everybody in here can stand, I have two questions. Some of you know this, this is so basic for us, right? The first one is this. You're in here and maybe you do not know Jesus. I met him when I was 18 years old. Ah, oh, he's the best. He's God. He's king. And he came down, led a sinless life, and he bled out on a cross, and the reason that he did that was he had a vision of you. And so if you're in here tonight, you must receive this gift. It's a free gift, but you have to, you have to open it up. It's like a present. And if you never received this gift of salvation, new life, the Holy Spirit, and you're like, that sounds good, I need all of that, would you just raise your hand really courageously, nice and high, so I can pray for you? Nice and high, nice and high, amen, I see you. And then if you're in here and you're just like, man, I need more, huh, I don't got what it takes, 
The church needs power. I think there's power readily available. The church needs like oh, more life. I think there's more life readily available. More goodness. There's more goodness, I believe. And so if that's you tonight, and you're a Christian, you're following Jesus, but you're like, God, would your Holy Spirit just come so that I can build something with you? Would you just, just raise your hand, raise two hands, whatever that's like, if you feel comfortable. If you don't feel comfortable, that's okay. All right? Okay, so Holy Spirit, I love you, God. Holy Spirit, come. May you dwell so richly in worship. You're the only one that's worthy. God, you're the only one that's worthy. King of all kings. God, would you come tonight and rearrange the people that are suicidal? God, would you come tonight and would you work in the people that don't feel good enough? God, would you come tonight and would you absolutely transform the people that feel like they don't have what it takes? Would you speak to people for the very first time? Would you fall on people in a new way? God, would we see visions? Would we dream dreams? God, of you, God, of your church, of your kingdom. God, I pray for just more of you. God, may the storehouses of heaven open up. God, as we praise you, may the walls come down. God, as we praise you, May the walls come down. God, I love you so much. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this house. Thank you for these pastors. Thank you that. Thank you just for everything. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. If you raised your hand tonight to receive Jesus. If you raised your hand tonight to receive Jesus. Thanks, guys. <laughs> but for real, if you like... Okay, man, you need a Bible. This thing's crazy. It's going to change your life. Okay, if you receive Jesus, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. Sean would love to talk to you afterwards. If you receive Jesus, we would love to know. Um, if you are in here and you're like, man, I do want to build something with my life, let's just ask him for new things, yeah, in prayer and in praise. Jesus, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name.